0: Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm gonna be having raw, authentic, and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I wanna be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today, and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Welcome back to another episode of the RAG Podcast on this week's show. I'm joined by Kyle Granger, the founder of our newest sponsor and six-month-old recruitment company called Untapped. The reason I brought Kyle on the show so early is, one, I like the fact that We can have these raw conversations with people in the first six months to give any new or aspiring recruitment owners the opportunity to find out what it's really like, but also because I 100% believe in what these guys are doing. So Untapped is a very special recruitment business that focuses on finding untapped talent in low-cost international regions for UK, US, Australian, and Middle Eastern organizations. A big part of what he's doing is finding recruiters or what we'd call resources or recruitment assistants for UK, US, Dubai, Middle East, and and Australian agencies and placing people from the Philippines, from South Africa, from other countries around the world where these guys have got like five, six, seven years experience, but they're coming in at 50 to 70% cheaper than hiring someone in your location locally. So I believe that one... You can learn from Kyle's approach and how he started the business here, but two, I think you can use this product. If you've got a recruitment business and you're looking to grow, and in 2023, costs are always going to be something you think about because it has been a tough year, then this is a cost reduction product, but a high quality talent product. It's a complete no brainer. So listen up, take notes, reach out to Kyle if you're interested, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Without further ado, Kyle. Welcome to the Rag Podcast. Hello. Good to have you on board, mate. You, you sat in your kitchen, I believe, or is that a cool, <laughs> that a cool WeWork kitchen?
1: No, it is, uh, is the, well, my kitchen or the kitchen of a friend's house that I'm currently living in. <laughs> right, but yeah, right.
0: um, good to be Fair back enough. in London, not- that's for sure. <laughs> so, where, where are you, about to see you based?
1: Uh, so, I'm in uh, Stoke Newington at the moment, um, but I kind of, I've, Originally from Cambridge, and I've been back there whilst I kind of settled this up, and then I've come right. back to London the last couple of months to get back in the back in the mix, right.
0: back in the big smoke. Well, Kyle, <laughs> thanks for giving us so much of your time so early on in your business journey. Um, I've given a brief introduction there to you and Untapped, but I, I can never do it justice, right? So do me a favor, give us the bird's eye view, you know, the elevator pitch of of what Untapped is and what you do.
1: So uh, <laughs> Untapped, I, I, I guess, is a is an agency of sorts, but essentially it's a platform for um, providing UK, US, Australian, and Middle Eastern businesses with access to elite offshore talent in areas where they can kind of benefit from the talent arbitrage. So mm-hmm. essentially, if you're a UK business and you're looking to, um, I don't know, boost productivity or, or save on cost um, when hiring, we can find you elite level hires in the Philippines or Cape Town. And we're looking at kind of Latin America and growing out other areas as well. So essentially, we can find talent for remote roles in areas where you can benefit from the fact that the market's less
0: expensive. Amazing! And you are our, our newest sponsor, so welcome. You've, uh, you know, I I, I, decide, I I'm not just saying this. I only partner with people that I believe in. Right. So I uh, I love the guys at Recruit Hub. Like I love what they're doing. I think it's incredible. I've always loved Vinci. Um, I'm you know, there's an episode with Vinci next week actually that pretty hard hitting episode because they've, they've, they've had a tough time in terms of reputation, but I'm, you know, they've been loyal to me and I'm loyal to them. And you guys, when I heard about this product, I was, you know, I was sold straight away because we're living and breathing it at Hoxhill. You know, <laughs> my, my yeah. business is based out of South Africa. I've got a tiny UK team now. I've got three or four in Portugal and the rest are in Cape town, Durban, Joburg, Pretoria. So I've firsthand experienced the success and, and the benefits of having, you know, Really high quality people in a lower cost location. Like it's just, especially with you know the way the way the world went post pandemic, and I we'll get into this. I I remember my mentor in the middle of in the middle of COVID, we were going to hire someone, and he went, "Well, you could hire someone in Derby because we're going remote in the UK, or you could hire someone in Durban." And I was like, "Where's he going with this?" And then he explained, (laughs) (laughs) "Let's fucking do it." Um, and it it was a game changer. So. Before we get into all that tell us about you. So you you got into recruitment around the same time as me. So we're talking we both we both look really young Kyle. but I think Yeah, it's going
1: to take doesn't it look like we've been in recruitment for that long, does it? You expect nah, to be a bit older. I don't think you've
0: but... you've <laughs> got away without you've got away without the grey hair or the or the bald heads. So you 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 really nailed it. <laughs> I, I I got the grey um from recruitment but um tell us about your you started at the one group who I know pretty well. What, what how did you get in there? What what was the story there?
1: Yeah, so I've um, yeah, obviously been a little while now. So twenty eleven um, joined joined the one group. To be honest, I um I kind of it was one of those. Everyone says the same thing. No one no one really knows how they sort of ended up in recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, mine was a I suppose a probably a half decent story. And I used to um, I suppose I've always had like a little entrepreneurial spirit and wanted to sort of work myself even from really young. So I um I set up a business on the punts in Cambridge. So essentially selling punting tours on the streets to tourists that I could then go and take out on the river in Cambridge to show them the sights and all of that stuff. Um, wow. And then we kind of got closed down and the colleges sort of created a bit of a bit of an army to close down our sort of like illegal touts on the street. And we were the ones walking around with boards going, do you want to go punting today? All of that stuff. Yes. Um, and then when that sort of closed down, um, I was kind of thinking I hadn't done the uni bit. I kind of know I can talk to people. I'd like to think I could kind of sell. Um, so I was looking at, Yeah, an opportunity to do that and I I, I went and knocked on them it was Meridian who were like I suppose they're quite a big agency really Meridian Business Support and but I knocked Mm -hmm. on their door and was like look I'm looking for a job I think I'd be all right in sales and then the guy was like well yeah I agree like let's get you a trial here and I was actually there for sort of six months before the one group but they they just closed (laughs) the branch and they were cutting back um, and that's when I that's when I met the guys over at the one group who I then had a pretty kind of strong journey with and um, so I was with them for I think six seven years in the end which was um, your yeah, recru- Cambridge and Peterborough
0: your recruitment career as a, as, a, as a consultant what what markets did you focus on did you say finance
1: yeah so I, I started off in finance and I kind of it was that was an amazing journey with the one group actually so they were I think they're about sort of 25 30 people and i joined them, and then shot to about 80 during that time that i was with them Um, so i started off doing like low level or kind of junior finance roles and then sort of progressed into like senior level like fds and that kind of stuff Um, and then after that i was quite i guess quite young and early on in my career they kind of made me like a divisional manager so then i launched a like a marketing communications division sort of built a team out in marketing communications um and then so i kind of segwayed from finance into launching other teams which is really cool because it kind of gave me the chance to sort of look at other markets and i suppose round myself off a bit
0: you look more like a marketing and communications recruit <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, i think i like, used to
1: get that a little bit at the time You back then i would have been shirt and tie a lot i think for most of my uh, most of my days <laughs>
0: Same. i can't even imagine it now like literally there's no way you'd get me wearing a suit for work ever again in my whole life it
1: it just amazes me i did it for so long and even things like i remember my first like back at meridian it'd be like sent home if you're not clean shaven, which is absolutely
0: yeah yeah, madness yeah good training and good 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 kind of foundational values i think to learn and it also teaches you what you do or don't like you know i know some people who started a recruitment firm and day one they were wearing a suit and they loved it and it was like one of my mates used to put it on and go into his own kitchen I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He's like, <laughs> what like, are you it are makes me. He's like, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm working. I was like, "I was the complete opposite, you know, complete opposite." Um, and and it, you know, there's no right or wrong answer to that. It's just whatever we we like. So, you were in contingent like agency recruitment for how long before you then looked at the the kind of in house embedded space?
1: So I guess it would have been about probably about ten years, really. Um, so oh. I I kind of went from. When I left the one group was when I sort of moved to London and just decided that I wanted sort of bigger, better things than Cambridge was feeling a little bit small town. And so that's when I joined the consultancy group, who again were like a hot, like really fast growth. I suppose traditional kind of finance specialist. So they do like finance and change, but yeah, no, So I was in that for a time. while. You yeah. Do you <laughs> <do you? laughs> oh yeah. So so it was very much back on. Yeah. Um, it was it was a strange one actually. So I kind of moved into this sort of non-billing sort of divisional manager role and then back in there it was like starting again just kind of right back on the tools back on the phone suit on but I absolutely loved it to be fair like it was um, I, it's one of those things like a lot of people talk about anyone who's kind of left like a traditional agency kind of go out and they found it tough whatever I absolutely loved it like honestly I like, enjoyed it so much I had such a great time in all the agencies I work for.
0: Yeah well that's what it should be like I think there's just something magical about our industry that people don't understand but like there's you're going into companies that are just on a, on a trajectory of growth that are just most other businesses aren't. like they're, they're so fluid. They're so entrepreneurial. There's days you hate it. I mean, I had days I literally hated it. But if I look back, I've got such amazing memories of my time in, in recruitment agency, especially in London when, again, I was like the seventh or eighth person in a business that got to 50-odd. And the opportunities we got access to, you don't get in traditional businesses, no chance. So when when did well, you know yeah. you wanted to well how did you how did you flip into because you joined canda and that's Louis Cross, who I know and that's why we know each other but what what was the yeah. story there what What made you flip into more of a embedded model yeah,
1: so I suppose um I kind of I had reached the point where a I knew I wanted to set something up myself um, mm. i wasn't I wasn't massively motivated by setting up another recruitment business unless i could think of something that was really different or going to really change the market or really you know change how people perceived it um yeah so it's kind of like i knew i wanted to do that i knew i wanted to do something a bit different um i actually um i did set up my own sort of small thing coming out of covid but it was very much like i had a lot of connections in finance um i'd left my role thinking right i'm going to set something up Um, and then sort of covid struck and it was like probably not the best time to launch a growth business um yeah so i kind of um yeah, I, I set something up where I was working for myself, essentially s- charging smaller fees to place FDs. And then I had set up like a charitable arm. So 50% of the fees went to charity. And it was very much like, a, I suppose, more of a social project just to keep me ticking over until I figured out what I wanted to do. Um, and that was when I met Louis, actually. So I started having conversations with um, with Louis about the world of kind of embedded and RPO. Um, I did a little bit of, uh, I suppose, sort of freelance like head of talent stuff like just helping people set up their recruitment function and um, I did a bit with a um, kind of an environmental consultancy where they're essentially yeah kind of looking at how they utilize agencies which agencies they should work with what their internal recruitment process should look like so I did a bit of that quite liked it I found it quite interesting and um, again they were quite a high growth company that I kind of enjoyed working for and then when I started speaking to Lou about the types of companies he was working with and sort of found that angle really interesting of kind of going in and really getting under the skin of a business and trying to sort of, yeah. you know, navigate the best way for them. And so, yeah, that, that was when I kind of first met Lou and then joined Candor, I suppose, as like a, like a head of growth and partnerships. So the role was um, very much kind of business development focused, like laying out uh, kind of a, a new business development plan for them, engaging with the market, obviously trying to utilize my network. Um, and trying to kind of win business for them um, but I also got myself involved like again a small small business but growing quite quickly at the time so I kind of got the chance to still do some actual recruitment I did a couple of like exec cert projects and that kind of stuff so I placed like an FD at my tutor and one of the cooler like, ed techs they were working with but still dipping my toe back in the actual finding people bit and um, so it was good because it kind of gave me the chance to do everything I wanted to do whilst I thought about kind of what the next steps were I guess.
0: And Kanda, because Louis had an interest, because I interviewed the original founder of Kanda back in before the pandemic. It was the one I was face to face, Matt. Is it Matt? Yeah. Matt, isn't it? And then Louis yeah. started collabs, which we helped him create the brand. And then he bought Kanda. I mean, it was a really, he literally bought it, didn't he? So when I saw that, I was like, Oh, okay. Um, and I've loved Louis. I've always kept in touch with him since we did some initial work together pre pandemic. Um, so your role was working for him, but you, you knew from day one, at, even in that business, that you were probably going to do something yourself. But it had to be different. It wasn't just going to be another yeah. finance thing.
1: Yeah, exactly that. And to be fair, like Lou and I, I think we had that conversation the like, first time we met. He was kind of like, you know, I totally understand sort of who you are and, and what you are and that you kind of have that, have that streak where you want to do something different and want to work for yourself. Um, but he kind of felt that he could sort of utilize the skill set and, and I felt I'd get a lot out of them. So it was kind of like, let's just be really honest from the start. Um, and he kind of said that I, I know ultimately at some point you're going to, you know, go and do something else. And equally, I was kind of like, well, hopefully I can do some really good stuff for you in the meantime. So it was always like a really open really open chat, which I think can be quite rare, really. Like it's a, it can be a bit of a red flag for people when you go, oh, I'm actually going to set up my own thing at some point. Um, whereas I, I guess like Louis, I was quite lucky in that he saw it as very much like we're a growing business. If I can use that use that enthusiasm and use that kind of little bit of a flair for wanting to grow something, then he could probably benefit for a a period of time. And actually I was with him for, I think about 18 months before these conversations
0: started happening. Makes sense. So talk me through where Untapped came from. Where did the initial idea come from?
1: Yeah, so it's, uh, I I kind of, I guess I stumbled across what I kind of saw as a bit of an opportunity. Um, And I've certainly got Louis to thank for this really. So, the the first time I was kind of introduced to people leveraging global talent was with Canda. So Louis obviously got a background in RPO um, and kind of big outsourcing projects prior to setting up CoLabs or Canda. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and so Canda set up this model where they kind of had an eighty percent of their team was UK based um, and very much kind of you know part, talent partnering from the UK, and then they had this twenty percent of the team that were that was growing in the Philippines and and in Cape Town at the time that were kind of handing all of their resourcing, admin, searching, research, all of that stuff sort of behind the scenes. And I remember sort of looking into like, you know, breaking down sort of candor as a business with, with Louis and looking at sort of the numbers and how it works. And I was thinking like meeting these guys that he was working with, I was like, they're great, like <laughs> so good. And obviously cost wise was so much lower than the UK. And I, I remember I sort of kept saying to I was like, why don't you just have everyone there? <laughs> like it makes so much sense. Um, and that was when we started to kind of have the, the seed of the idea, I guess.
0: Okay. So you're seeing it work in a business that you're working for. Um, and when did it then start to evolve into well, this is an actual viable business idea and how?
1: yeah so so i think it was it was actually during the the sort of downturn when it all started to fall off a cliff again um being totally honest i've probably probably starting to sweat a little bit about my own role i was probably kind of like we'd had that open honest conversation about we want to do something else i was probably a reasonably expensive hire for Kanda yeah, um so yeah. i was starting to think you know ultimately the, where the business are going do they need to carry my role like louis Perfectly capable salesperson and kind of lives and breathes that business. Um, and then also, um, we were obviously naturally sort of slightly downsizing, um, and that meant downsizing the function um, at the time in the Philippines. Um, and we were we had some great people working for us. Um, so I kind of had the idea of um, I, I sort of pitched it to Louis with his blessing to say, "Can I try and place the people that you're kind of letting go?" Because I'd worked with the, like worked with the teams in the Philippines and. Like they were great, like so good. I, I, was, I was working in a market where I was talking to lots of people that needed support in the talent space. I had this kind of team of people that I knew were great. I'd worked with them, seen how they work, seen their work ethic, seen their loyalty and kind of said to, yeah, said to Louis, like, can I try and go and place those people? Um, and he was like yeah you know sounds like a great idea obviously he he felt a bit of kind of I suppose social responsibility to try and look after them as well Um, and that was when I started talking to um, Francis who led that team who's kind of now my business partner and so when it when we started getting getting to the point where we were placing those people um, into UK companies that was when we kind of had this light bulb moment of there's a business here for sure. <laughs> um, like we, we're, we're doing this now essentially kind of on a social basis. And then um, obviously with Louis's blessing, I then approached Francis and said, like, how can we, you know, how can we take this to market as its own business offering? Um, and that's when we we kind of actually set it up.
0: And the name, where did you, come, I mean, I love the name and it's so relevant, but where did, where did, that, where did that come from?
1: So, to be honest, it was just one of those where, it was, we were almost talking about it, like, oh, we need to get into like, these untapped marketplaces. It was like, well, there's they, your name, sort of thing. It just sort of, it just clicked. Like within literally a couple of days, just chatting about it, it was like, we, what are we doing? We're trying to find the best people in marketplaces that people aren't using, and we we're like, yeah, untapped. And it was like, yeah, untapped. It just worked. And then, yeah, we. I, to be honest, I was, um, I was quite lucky in that. Obviously, had those conversations with um, Louis. Um, he then kind of not only gave me his blessing, but to be honest, it's been like a bit of a mentor has really sort of supported me through the setting up the business so I, I kind of um I knew that was the only bit I had to cover really because I had the I had the sort of infrastructure had the delivery team I now had the opportunity to kind of test the business model like under the I suppose under the umbrella of Canda, sort of behind the scenes sort of stealth mode to see whether it all worked um, and then Louis was kind of gave me access to his um, marketing team gave me access to sort of brand library and, and has really sort of helped me out with actually setting up the business and getting it off the ground and um, which has right. been yeah kind of essential really um
0: so what t- tell us now then what what is the proposition how would you explain it so and what markets obviously recruitment agencies are one of your markets which is why you know i'm so passionate about it and we you know we're going to work together and we get you on the show what what are, how would you describe exactly what the business does
1: so i suppose what we've um What I did during that period was, as I said, when we were kind of placing those people, is it gave us an opportunity to sort of test the model and work out how best we can sell this as a product to the UK. And one thing that we said very early on is that we have to be able to evidence that we are getting the absolute best people in those markets. Because the whole the whole business falls down if you hire somebody overseas and it's a bit broken and they're doing damage to your brand and it doesn't quite work or you can't manage them. Um, so it was kind of like, how can we set something up where we're, we're, we know we are identifying the absolute best, like top 1% in the market? Um, so essentially what we did is set up a... Kind of a full interview function for to even enter our database and um, so how we did that is we kind of so we have a testing facility and so, uh, we have a kind of an interview process that happens before people even make our database and um, so we kind of put people through yeah psychometric assessment and we put them through uk competency assessment which is kind of two hours of testing and um, for every individual and then we do screening interview competency-based interview against those competencies and then we test for English language skills in the Philippines, obviously not as essential in, in South Africa. Um, but yeah, so we kind of set up this set up this model where we knew we were, we were only kind of representing the absolute best. The plan longer term is to then have the opportunity for anyone who misses that 1% to retrain, to kind of re-enter the talent pool. And then it was all about how do we get those people to market? How do we get them, you know, essentially to the UK? Um, and to how do we make it accessible? Um, the biggest thing... For us so far, has been a bit of a mindset shift and like an education piece. because There's always been these, I think, probably quite unfair sort of biases around outsourcing or it sounds like a bit of a sort of a, a nasty word that everyone's a bit scared yeah. of. But um, actually, when you're looking at what it, for what it really is, it's like you're getting great experienced people. That work very hard they're incredibly loyal and they're very much deserving of the opportunity in a world where we're more and more global and not only does it do that but it also boost your kind of your inclusivity it changes the kind of perspective the perception of the team and it, it really does kind of boost businesses in that sense it takes it well,
0: all, so. all boxes obviously there's an element that it'll affect uk-based jobs if you know that is the only downside but that that is the way the world's going anyway it's an inclusive digital world what I'm going to try and act like because look i'm I'm converted right you don't have to convert me because i'm I'm doing it but I'm gonna try and act like the recruitment client so before I do why are you working with recruitment clients what roles will you cover like give us the different markets and type of people you recruit because at the moment it sounds like you do anything internationally
1: yeah so I think um yeah important to say that the team that we originally set out to place were all talent acquisition specialists. So they're all either internal talent or essentially recruitment or resourcing. Um, So we um, initially attacked that market. So it was all talent acquisition. We were going after essentially anyone who had an in-house team that needed additional support or needed extra role sourcing, they kind of passed some stuff over to. Um, And that's where it started happening. And then I guess through my own network and my own knowledge of recruitment agencies and um, we started to move into the space where we got we started to get inbound with people saying like, oh you know we're a specialist finance agency for example and we're you know we're looking at building a resourcing team expensive in the UK at a time when we're kind of not looking to build a load of cost into the into the business which was then when we started to say well we know there are some huge recruitment businesses that have been working out of the Philippines for a very long time for example like Corn Ferry, um, who, probably isn't necessarily publicized but we've got a huge team of people working out of the philippines sourcing yeah um so we kind of we could act we knew we could access that kind of recruitment assistant resourcing type person and that was when we started working with agencies and then since then to be honest it's become a, like the, the biggest part of our market like we're doing yeah. more and more with with agencies and and to be honest that works for me because every agency i kind of sit down and speak to i, I get it so i can kind of yeah, i can really yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see the problem. I can give them a solution. It it's kind of works of, really well.
0: So it's the beauty of I think it's the thing I fell in love with when I launched Hoxo, you know. I mean, I was I'd put myself as one of the top recruiters in the market in the insurance space at the time, but I'd never worked in insurance in my life. So there was only a, a surface level knowledge that I had. I mean, i I had deep knowledge of people and why they were good and I could navigate the, the movement of people really well. But when I when I started working with recruiters as a client base, It was extra. I loved it because, like you say, I sit in front of anyone, and my brain's just in the background, just downloading what they're saying, and and I can visualize everything. It's not like I'm, I'm trying to work out what do you mean by that. Like everything makes fucking crystal clear sense. And and again, there's other markets that are sometimes more lucrative. And you know, everyone everyone always says to me, why the hell are you focusing on recruitment? Why don't you just go and do it for anyone? I'm like. I love it. I genuinely love it. Like yeah, part of it, is I enjoy it. I like the people. I've got some some of my best mates. I'd say I'm clients. client. Like I love it. Um, but that being said, yeah, you not, not only, I, you don't only do recruiters, idea like you you are going to do growth into sales and marketing or different. different yes, yeah,
1: so, so we are we are branching out. And there's definitely we again through kind of speaking to the market, we um we got a lot of need for um I guess like SDR type roles. So and um, predominantly like email based marketing content creation all of that stuff and then we you know there's a there's a real kind of talent pool of sales people and marketing people um in the philippines especially and also yeah i mean in in, in cape town and, and south africa as well we can get some great people um in the kind of the sales space so we also work in i suppose in industry and we work with um you know fast growing tech companies we work with various sort of founders we, we have done some work with i suppose bigger companies that are kind of looking to add a bit of additional resource into certain teams. And um, so I, I suppose it can it can be quite sort of far reaching. Um, but as I said to you, like I'm I'm absolutely loving working in the agency space. And I think, I think the magic of it is it's just the how the, the approach of how flexible people can be. And people kind of just get it straight away so quickly. Like as I said, we we're kind of we're out in the market trying to change people's perception and trying to shift that mindset. Whereas with agency it's kind of like if they're a business that moves really quickly, they just get it so quickly, and it's just that thing of like, hold on, it will save me money, and I'll get really great people, and I can do X. And they're just like, yeah, great, like let's let's so, go.
0: So let's 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 discuss this then. So one of the again, I'll play like the devil's advocate, owner that uh, the best I can. But like a lot of businesses are pulling back to the office. So let's let's look at the current marketplace. Tough year twenty twenty three. There's kind of been this weird movement. If I just document the last three years, twenty twenty, flexibility was you can wear a bloody no tie on a Friday or (laughs) you know, right? And then we go into a world where everyone has to work from home. Businesses everywhere in our sector actually realized they could trust their people more than they ever realized. They loved it. The market was booming. So then 2021, you had this kind of like, do we come back? Don't we come back? Kind of two and three. Everyone was pretty flexible because the market was still going well. Everyone was hiring. It was going really well. As soon as the market squeezed, we saw this big like fuck it, let's get back. And so many people, you know, I think, and, and I and I understand it. They're thinking, how the hell am I going to train the new blood of recruiters if all my best people are working from home, all my experienced people are working from home? So you got this battle now in a lot of agencies that are saying five days, four way. I think four days is actually becoming quite normal in our space to be back and one day of working from home. And you might have seniors two days or whatever. I don't know. Um, but there is a there's, there's definitely a genuine shift. And an argument now that people are trying to pull the pull the reins back in. So, what type of business, or what what needs to be in a business for them to to make the most of of an offshore resource? Because if they're if they're struggling with it and they're all in the UK, how are they going to embed someone who's in the Philippines or South Africa into their operation?
1: Yeah, so I think this is um I think this is the this is the beauty of it really. So, one one thing that we, as I kind of said, is we're really focused on is the quality of person. Um, and you mentioned there, the kind of training piece. And certainly if you're, if you're hiring a resourcing team, for example, in the UK, um, you'll ha- the, part of the reason that people are wanting to be pulled into the office, because th- a lot of those teams are essentially grads or they're people with like, minimal experience. So they feel like they have to be around, you know, proper consultants and recruiters to learn via osmosis. And they need someone to kind of be cracking the whip and all that stuff. I suppose what we offer is people that you don't have to train. That you can fully trust and rely on to deliver on projects. So, the, like, the, the, like the people we're finding are—I'm talking sort of five years plus recruitment experience, hiring in specialist markets, even hiring for UK companies, US companies. They know what they're doing. They don't need that holding man management. So it kind of takes that pain away for seventy percent cheaper. So you kind of—if you, you go like we're a—you know—we're a tech recruiter. We spend loads of our time finding candidates. Why are you paying somebody? 40 50k in the uk to do that when you could be paying somebody you know 1500 quid a month including our fee in the philippines to do all of that and they know exactly what they're doing
0: our trusted partner Recruit hub helps new founders launch their own recruitment businesses in the uk us and the uae the community is growing rapidly with over 70 founders on the recruitment platform right now everything you need to launch your own recruitment business with ease you receive 100 of the fees you bill you own full commercial control of your business and increase its value. You get cutting edge tech stack from ATS to sales automation. There's no admin. You handle everything from community registration to contracts to finance and support. There's no setup costs on the platform, no recurring fixed costs and no surprise fees. If you're thinking of taking the next step in your career and want to discuss your business idea, please book a confidential chat, recruit up the team or learn more here www.recruit-hub.com forward slash UK awareness okay let's get back to the show and you've not got the desk space and even like the national insurance contributions there's a lot of things that go because like a lot of things that go into having a um you know an employee in the UK that you don't have to have so okay that makes perfect sense the experience level um and again another question I think will come up is they, is it just resourcing so would you have would you ever have these guys trying to build relationships with clients are they are they going to talk to clients or are they just given a mandate go and find a candidate like what would you say works best so
1: i'd say the the resourcing model works really well due to the level of experience and they're definitely you know people that you can trust 100% to talk to candidates interview candidates do that screening piece kind of before your team in the uk get to meet them um but i think we're moving into spaces where we've certainly got people that are yeah working in um content roles we've got people that are sort of sitting behind the scenes managing people's linkedin outreach their sales campaigns certainly with the south african market i mean you you can hire people out there that you can put in front of clients straight away you know like if it's slightly more expensive than the Philippines, but still you're making a huge cost saving versus the UK and you can get somebody who's a good, strong recruiter that can get on the phone to your clients in a pretty similar time zone. Um, so I think that, that's that's really important as well. Like The other thing about um, the Filipino model is that everyone out there is kind of completely accustomed to working UK and US hours. Um, for them, it's a huge benefit because it means they get the flexibility to work from home rather than doing a... Two-hour commute into Manila or wherever it is, and yeah. um, to work in a job that they're earning a lot less at. So they they're kind of desperate for the opportunity. Or through the night or it's for them, it, exactly. Yeah. So like my my business partner Francis, I think he so he kind of runs his like local water company during the day, runs a car rental business, and then he works for us in the evenings.
0: Like he's like so he's working in, is in Manila, Manila, is he? Is.
1: Yeah, so he's based in Manila. So we've got a small team out there. We've got two that kind of report into Francis. Um, so that that gives us a huge advantage. That so how home. is
0: it? How is it running? Then you're the BD guy, and then when you sign a project, Francis takes over with his team and finds the talent effectively.
1: Yeah, essentially. So I kind of I do the yeah do the business development, go and kind of yeah win the business, get that signed and sealed. We essentially charge a deposit upfront to schedule a project or to schedule a kind of hiring sprint, um, and then those. That then gets passed over to Francis. So we do our, um, after you've signed signed and paid that deposit, you go through, I suppose, our internal process of finding out exactly what you need. So we really go into a lot of detail around the demands of the business, areas in which you can delegate, areas in which you can't, areas that work well, areas that won't, what your specialisms are, what you really need someone to deliver on. And then we kind of do a lot of work around finding the right person for that business um, and also helping the company set up for success. So I think that's one thing that people have a bit of fear of, is kind of like, how do we make it work? So kind well, of going to say, once into... you find the
0: person, what does it require from an onboarding and a, and a management perspective to ensure that it doesn't fall flat on its face?
1: Yeah, so I think that was, that was something we were really conscious of. So essentially, we've got a um, – our team in the Philippines – help set people up for success from there. So they make sure they've got everything they need. So UK phone numbers, email addresses, make sure they can access everything. Everyone there is kind of set up and ready to go in that sense anyway, like all have Starlink Wi-Fi and all of that stuff. Um, But then we kind of, we help set them up and have weekly check-ins that end. And then I and the UK kind of customer success team do the client facing bit of making sure that we're getting the most out of it this end.
0: So if if I hired a recruiter from you, What's the process going to be? Let's say I go, yeah, sounds great. What's the process? How's it going to work?
1: So, first thing is to have a conversation with me around kind of what those needs and desires are. And I'll, I I suppose, be quite frank around what works and what doesn't. And, you know, some people, I suppose, have reasonably sort of grandiose ideas about what they could get, or they think, you know, I'll start hiring all my senior consultants out there. Probably not going to work like that. Um, And you probably need to, I suppose, start fairly small break down what you can actually delegate to somebody and how to get the best out of it productivity-wise. Um, yeah. And then once I understand exactly what you're trying to achieve, that's when we go through the process of, you say, okay, great, we want to hire a recruiter, let's do it. Let's, we want to, you know, a tech resourcer, for example, let's, let's do that. Deposit gets paid, you go into a meeting with Francis and I, we then go into a much more in-depth analysis around the business, its needs, its trajectory, cultural traits personality traits management style all of that stuff to kind of then come back with a i suppose a bespoke offering and i'm, I'm not kidding when i say we probably put about three thousand candidates for you through process to find one that gets placed so every month wow. we're um you yeah, we're putting that many people through those processes to make sure we're identifying that top one percent um, and then what we do is from that meeting you have we we set ourselves a target of 7 to 21 days present you a short list of people so when you get those people you'll get their obviously their working history their personality profile their competency-based skills testing they get a kind of a score from us an english score all of that stuff um and we kind of provide a bit of background on that person as an individual how they work what they like what they've done in the past and then so if you were hiring one person you'd get three to five people I'd then recommend that you had a meeting with before hiring um I know a lot of uh, there are companies that do kind of outsourcing or offshoring. and um, quite often they'll be like oh we need someone and they'll go yeah great we'll just sort of stick somebody in um and there isn't any kind of quality testing and there certainly isn't any match in terms of personality or working cultures or any of that stuff so we we definitely encourage people to kind of you know see get five profiles see two or three people and then pick the one that you click with and you kind of want to work with basically very much teammates, not outsources, is how we kind of uh, how we kind of look at it.
0: Yeah. So we're looking at about what a month of a turnaround before someone can can be on the on the box.
1: Yeah. So twenty one days is the time we give ourselves. Typically, it turns around a bit quicker than that. Certainly in the yeah. kind of resourcing space, so we've built we've built a pretty solid database now. So we've got kind of fifteen thousand people that are sort of tested at a really high level, and um, and we're ready to kind of take to market um so in the most part if if like for example we're we're working with somebody um who actually was somebody that listened to (laughs) listen to you talking about us i think um at the moment and we've kind of three days turned around a shortness for him and he's kind of yeah happy to happy to kick on with those people so it can be a lot quicker than that
0: and when it comes to interview processes do you support the client in how to conduct that because it might be you know they've probably done zoom interviews over the last few years for sure but it it will be a bit different than, than standard.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so we definitely, we do kind of a bit of work front end with the with the client to make sure that they kind of understand how to get the best out of the interview process um, and how to kind of, yeah, ask the right questions and, and work out what the management style needs to be to get the best out of that individual. But we provide a bit of a playbook for that and then sort of support the first 90 days of them onboarding that person. Um, typically what we find is people start with, so, you can start interim, right? So, you can kind of go, we'll, we'll hire somebody on a three month basis and sort of see how it goes. That's our minimum length. And then from there, people tend to either like, essentially pay a perm conversion fee and take that person perm, or they'll kind of go, right, we, we can do a six month or a 12 month on an interim basis, depending on kind of what the needs of that company are. So, we're, we're essentially giving people the chance to try before you buy because we know how good it is. So, it's kind of like one of those when people yeah, usually just... hire one, they go, okay, maybe another, maybe, you know, maybe we'll take a couple what? of perm. And,
0: what are the logistical things that people need to consider then? If they're hiring internationally and they've not done it, what what do they have to think about from a compliance, tax, legal, that kind of stuff?
1: So, I mean, very happy to say that there's very little to think about, and um, I think it's a it's a question mark that people always have, and they're maybe a bit worried about that. But genuinely, so the way the the kind of tax and compliance process works in the Philippines is that everyone's responsible for their own kind of their own tax, their own. You know, personal kind of business setup. So essentially, you just get you get one invoice that you need to pay every month. If you've got somebody into and through us, there is no obligation other than that just to pay that invoice. And then if somebody were to convert perm, essentially they would be under a permanent contract, but working as under their own sort of business. Essentially, so again, it's you'd literally get one invoice per month. That's that person paid. Um, and there's there's nothing kind of deeper than that in terms of tax and legislation it's a little bit different in south africa um, and we have a we have a partnership with teams who are kind of employer records who can do that bit for you as well and so we can kind of take the pain out of all of that but yeah in the most part i mean it's pretty seamless and nothing to stress about for sure
0: we obviously started our south african journey before working with you um and uh we, we, we did the employer of record thing and then we, we've we actually got a South African business now. But, you know, I can confidently say that, you know, recently we've been looking at candidates from you that have been incredible for our South African business. So, like, you you the standard that you're bringing is is as good, if not better, than what we were getting on our own. So, you know, I'm really impressed with that. In terms of um genuine cost, I think people in the back of their mind, recruitment owners now are thinking, all right, this sounds good. I, I'd be surprised if anyone's... Going unless they're a complete grad model, then then that's fine. But if you're going down the route of you want some maturity in your business, you've already got flexibility. You know, why wouldn't you consider this? Especially if you've got business coming through and you need it delivered. What 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 genuinely does a does a salary of an experienced person in in, in those locations cost? What do they like? what is how do they? How does it work to you?
1: Yeah, so I think um, essentially, like the cost for the Philippines is. I would say on average about 70% cheaper than the UK. So um, like, for example, so we, part of our mission is that we actually, we're trying to uplift kind of lives and have a bit of an impact, a positive impact on, I suppose, culture and economy in the areas we're working in. And um, So in the kind of untapped regions, we're trying to elevate salaries. We're trying to encourage kind of taking those people to market. So to give you a bit of a steer, if you're hiring a recruitment assistant in the Philippines or a resourcer in the Philippines, um, we charge a obviously a monthly margin if you take some of the interim. Um, so with their with a thirty percent uplift on their current salary, with our margin, you're looking at about fifteen hundred to two k a month for a top level experience resourcing system. Obviously, then in the in in Cape Town, you're probably looking at an additional sort of thirty percent, but you're still going to make like a minimum. Fifty percent saving versus the UK market, yeah. I would say. And I don't, it, I, I don't know what your experience is, but I think once kind of all considered, it probably is about fifty percent. Would you say?
0: Yeah, I'd say I'd probably say more like forty in the in in, in South Africa when you when you account for it. But we're doing it differently. We, we've actually built everything out there and got resources and stuff. Um yeah. Look, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that. We're paying people more than they're getting locally, but we're make, we're paying less than we were paying the UK, and and that's, that's why <laughs> yeah. we've done it. Right? It's not, it's not a yeah. I'm not I'm, not proud. I'm 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 open enough to say that. Like it's if the talent wasn't good, I would have I'd have scrapped it years ago. Right? There's a couple of things about South Africa that people need to be aware of, which is the the the, the power in the in the country. So you know, the, 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 the it's not a country where they get and they get electricity all day every day like they they have something called load shedding which people might not be aware of but every region in south africa has slightly different levels you can be like level three four five or whatever and they can have 12 hours in a day or six hours every day for a week or whatever where they have no power so we've had to get all these inverters for people which effectively stores the the electricity while it's on so that when it goes they can still have wi-fi they can still use the computer and it, that was a that was a shock for us early on like fucking hell we'd lose people for day, <laughs> like, out of nowhere um, but yeah. again we not cost an awful lot to, to put, put processes in place and we fixed it you said to me though the Philippines I haven't got any Filipino staff we're, gonna, we're definitely gonna look at it but you um you said there's no there's not really much downtime over there
1: no yeah so I mean the, in terms of kind of infrastructure they're set up like they probably have better internet than us in the most part like genuinely, um, so, they've got no problems with kind of power or electricity. They've got no problems with internet. They're all kind of set up and ready to go in terms of they have their own UK, US hours. Yeah, everyone's literally everyone's got laptop, Mac, PC. The, the culture over there is so incredibly similar to ours. I don't think people even realize. Yeah. Like They, no, they start I, I, learning English like. at primary school, like secondary school. Like a lot of these they people sound like me, American. They could be saying, they <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're yeah. American. Yeah. They don't
0: you know, if you go from Philippines to say Thailand, the accent is so dramatically different when they speak English was there. They're very American, aren't they? And um, there's a Latin American influence over there with the food and stuff. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it, yeah, I think it's an incredible, incredible opportunity for people to take on. What talk to me about your vision then. So, you know, you, you, you're still a, a handful of people, you know, how, firstly, how long has the business been going and how have you, how have you got on so far?
1: Yeah, so we're we're coming up for six months now, and, and honestly, like it's been, it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Like it, we obviously we've landed in the market at a time where people are looking to reduce costs, offering a cost reduction product essentially. Um, so it, it's been pretty full on, and we've had to kind of put in place a waiting list, which is currently sitting at about four weeks of when people kind of sign up, say like we want someone, but then having to sort of schedule the project. So we've got capacity at the moment for probably. 15 to 20 projects running at any one time and um, we're sort of at that level now so um, it yeah we're six months in we're profitable um, we're kind of looking to grow the grow the offering and grow the delivery team. So for me, I know because we've got a, a kind of a bank of incredibly talented people in the Philippines that when we need to grow that function, I can kind of bolt people into there really quickly. It also, have like building that network in Cape Town and and in South Africa in general, and that's some, that's kind of the next obvious, really gr- real growth area for us is to get more people kind of on the ground out there, so we can scale both operations. And I think, to be honest, like we're, I would say we're probably on track for a hundred hires in the first year, um, which. You know setting up it was kind of like a bit of a bit of a pipe dream but then looking at it now and the the demand is kind of like okay this is happening yeah. pretty quickly um and it's yeah been a bit of a whirlwind in that sense
0: and again you're gonna run it like the client you're gonna run it from you know there'll be a i imagine a small uk team or whatever and then you'll have people in those regions right so you're gonna you're gonna run it lean yourself and what's the vision for the business like what do you want to achieve what you're trying where do you see it going
1: so i i genuinely believe that every business in the uk
0: can benefit from this so i think
1: like whichever team it is or however that kind of works for you like the vision for us is that we're the kind of driver of that movement and we're the driver of that change as far as i know like there isn't anyone doing it doing what we're doing and certainly not offering the quality that we offer and don't have the infrastructure to offer the process that we offer and so i'm kind of yeah i've got this mission where i'm like right we're going to We're going to get to a point where everyone knows about everyone knows about this, everyone knows how it works. And we are the main leading light driving that movement for change. And obviously that will impact our kind of longer term mission to, to level up lives. We've got this, I suppose, this number of like, we want to directly impact kind of 10,000 lives by, you know, boosting salaries, getting the opportunities, all of that stuff. So we're kind of running the mission alongside the wanting to become the driving force behind the movement, I guess.
0: And your lifestyle. Because we met recently, like you, like you say, you're living in a mate's flat or whatever. Like it's pretty. You, I think you're doing it at the right time. You know, you, you've got you haven't got much responsibility right now. You, you're able, to, None. <laughs> You're able to put everything into this, right?
1: Exactly that. I mean, when I first sort of set it up, I, I'll be honest, I was kind of right, right. I'm going to go back to my parents, work that in my dad's kitchen for a bit. I was like, we need to. I need to just put all my time into it. You know, get it moving, get it started, and try and get the word out. And then as it's kind of picked up and started to snowball a little bit, I was like, right, I need to be back in London. So I need to be able to kind of meet people. I need to go and you know, go to networking events, go to founders dinners, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, like you say, like lifestyle-wise, I don't have any commitments or responsibilities other than, yeah, you know, just sort of wanting to get this out there really. So it's kind of just, it's become it very is. much my world. But
0: <laughs> I do think, you know, I'm, um- I'm, I'm, I'm not envious of you right now. <laughs> um, uh, what's the word? I, I remember those feelings, if you like. Like I'm literally, any day now, I'll, my little baby will come. My, I've got my house, my two stepkids, my two dogs, my wife. My, I'm literally like, we bought a house 200 meters from the school. The kids are going to go. Like My life's pretty rock solid in one place now, which again, if we're leaning into the, the kind of narrative of the business, like me being in Sheffield, it's incredible, right? Because I'm able to earn, you know, I'm able to earn an international wage or London based wage living in, I'm not in a low cost international location, but compared house prices here to London, what I've got <laughs> is incredible for what I would pay. I mean, you wouldn't get a, I couldn't probably get a two bedroom flat in most areas of London from what I've got, four bedroom detached with my own football pitch and all these things I've got. Like, it, it, I love the post COVID world personally. It, it's yeah. so it's given so much fluidity so much flexibility but i also think if i was going to start something brand new now with everything that i've got in my life it would be more challenging like, i remember when i started so i had i did have a girlfriend or yeah we weren't engaged at the time my ex i'd just bought a house in crystal palace um but i didn't yeah it was literally like i had a mortgage to to have, to worry about but i also had saved money and i thought oh, fucking hell i can always get a job like i'll always go and get another recruitment job so yeah at age, I was thirty years old. I know you're like thirty-two, or whatever. Like, it's such a good time. Yeah. Like, you've learned on other people. You've learned for ten years in your twenties. I'm, I'm just buzzing for you, mate. I'm gonna live through. you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I, I kind of did things a little bit the other way around. But I, um, I actually bought a house when I was back at the one group, and I was like twenty-one. Yeah. Um, I was living with my girlfriend at the time and all that stuff. But when I, I basically sold it when I moved to London. and was like, you know what? I'm, I know I'm gonna start my own thing eventually. Um, so I kind of. I almost stripped back and decided to go sort of anti, anti-establishment yeah. in that sense. I thought I want the freedom. and To be honest, I've always been more more motivated by the freedom necessarily than the finances. It's kind of like yeah. I wanted to build somewhere I could, you know, essentially work from anywhere, live anywhere. Like I'm sure, you know, my journey with Untapped will, will take me all over the world. Essentially, like you know, it's obviously Philippines, South Africa already, um, but it will take me everywhere as we launch US, Australia, wherever else. So, and um, that's that's the vision longer term is that we can yeah essentially set up. Kind of hubs in those spots, and then continue to grow it. And I can I can have the freedom to travel quite freely and uh, <laughs> have a nice life in the background. Ultimately,
0: but it makes sense because you can get really good, like you know, British American recruiters to be like you know the the lead getters, if you like, in in location. And then you've got the offshore model, and you need great people in the And it's you know, if you think if you get an experienced recruiter in any market who's a bit disillusioned and. You're like, well, look, come and work for us and just just do business development with a with a with an actual purpose, with a mission, with a we're leveling up lives, you're saving your clients' costs, we're increasing the lifestyle of these people. I think that's a I think that's a mission a lot of people will want to get on board with. And and you know, they can work from anywhere, they can tap into their own customers. Look, you, look. There's a reason why I'm so passionate about it because I think it's. I, I wish I'd started the bloody business myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> not uh, not okay, the too. first one to uh, say no, that, I'll be honest. No, no, no. <laughs> it, look, what well, I'm really excited for. You. I know it's really early. I don't normally interview people at this stage, in the, if if I'm honest, because I like to see what they've achieved, and 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 try and add a lot of value back to people that are going forward, but. I also think it's great to hear someone who's 6 months in who's living in his mate's house who's you know <laughs> bootstrapping it but doing it already seeing profit already seeing results and and actually trying to do something different it's not the same and every single listener to this episode now and in the future you know you, you can you can use untap you can you can benefit from untapped. it's not just about learning it's about actually ta- tap into them and trial it like i i i would not have the business i've got now if i'd not gone down the route that we did in 2020 where we started hiring in south africa it was leo harrison who's chapter two founder that you he yeah, was my mentor and he, he they built oliver in and they had like international locations and cape town So south africa was a big part of it and he was the one who gave me the idea and and now i'm like one i love going there every year i love the people i love the humor like the time zone's two hours now and then one hour or oh, it's yeah. two and one depending on the time of year. i forget which one i think it's one hour now two hours in our winter um, they're hungry. They're motivated. They're so talented. Like, there's literally no negative. I don't look at any of the. South Africans <laughs> think there's no, and and they're so similar mentally to us. Like you say, the Philip. I haven't t- I haven't tried the Philippines, but um. So what what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Is it just a DM on LinkedIn? Is is there a website that we want you want people to go? Yes. Acquire? Obviously, we're we're going to create one for this relationship. We haven't even got <laughs> it yet. So. If I have got it by the time this goes live, I'll put it in the show notes. So just check yeah. in the if I haven't, tell me, what, what do we need to do?
1: So just go to www.tryuntapped.com um, and that will take you through the kind of process as an option there to sort of join waiting list. Yeah. Um, and there you can sort of fill out a bit of detail and um, so then, then it'll be a conversation with me and sort of off we go really.
0: Well, mate, thanks so much for your time. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm rooting for you. I want to get you back on again in, a, you know, six to twelve months' time, and let's have an update. Um, See where I we hope get to. People, I hope people reach out. I think they will. I, I mean, you, I think you, it's, it's madness if you don't try this and uh, keep us informed. Good. Best of luck. Awesome. Nice one. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly hope that you got value from it. Honestly, it's the only reason I take time every week to ensure that my audience, you guys, future and existing recruitment owners, you're learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. And today's episode is brought to you by my business, Hoxhill. I'm the CEO and founder, and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better. I wanna help People have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands, to consistently win more business, attract talent, and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know, we also manage the brands of a lot of founders and we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well. So if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to, or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website, to the business and start using LinkedIn to generate more revenue, then you should definitely be reaching out to us. If that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, Look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.